Everybody good today? We should be. We are good. We are in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's uh, that's worth shouting from the rooftops as we will see today. Please find your way in God's precious words to Romans chapter 5. I want to say, you know, we study line by line, verse by verse. You hear me say that a lot, chapter by chapter, in order that the church will be well equipped. That is that the body of Christ will know the words of God and be able to share these precious words with others. And that's important. Why? Well, look, if we look back at chapter four of Romans, how does Paul challenge the recipients of this letter? What does he say? He says, what does the scriptures say? He challenged them, he challenged them to read the word. Paul believed in the sufficiency of scripture. Paul, Paul no longer lived by the traditions of man. He did not put his belief in what man said. He believed in the word of God and he proclaimed that truth. Look at me, if you will, back at chapter four and just watch what he does. Chapter four, verse three. What does the scripture say? Don't take my word for it. What does the scripture say? Look at verse six. Just as David also speaks of the blessings. That's what the scriptures say. Verse 17. As it is written, talking about the scriptures. Verse 18, as he had been told, what does the scripture say about Abraham? Verse 23, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours only. The truth is in the scriptures, so we have to know what the scriptures say. One of the main reasons that Paul wanted them to look at what the word of God said was because Judaism had basically turned to a man-made religion. It was built on the principles of man pleasing God by human works or, or the goodness of man. And we can see from the scriptures that, that that kind of teaching could not be any further from the truth. As we have seen in this letter to the Roman church, salvation, the redeeming of God's people from the beginning was because God gave us his undeserving, our undeserving love. <clears throat> Salvation is from God, by God, and about God, and all for his glory. You're going to hear that a lot today. Salvation is from God, by God, and about God, and all for his glory. So the people had gotten off track. They didn't understand the depravity of man. They didn't understand the promises of God. And that's why Paul took everyone back to the beginning. When he wrote this letter and he's going to do it a couple more times before we get to the end of this letter. He goes back to the beginning. Paul is giving what I like to call the full gospel, right? He knows that mankind humans need to understand what happened to man. How do we get in this condition? And they need to see and know how God has fulfilled his promises and why we are in need of a savior. If mankind, that is all of all people could see that we have fallen and that we live in a fallen world, then we'll be, we will be better able to understand that we are in need of a savior. But you have to go back to the beginning. When we understand that we are in the need of a savior, we will then be able to understand the righteousness of God. That is the fulfilling, the fulfilling his promises he has made. And when we see the righteousness of God, that will change the way we worship. It will change the way we live. It will change the way in which we think, and it will change the way we love one another. Amen? 
And that's the major point Paul is making here in Romans. He said, hey, look at the full gospel message from the beginning. Search the scriptures front to back. Come to an understanding of the need for a savior and what salvation really is and become a new creation in God Almighty. And it's so important to know the word because that's how we will know the will of God. So let's read our text today, Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So, what does justified by faith mean? You know, we have to make sure we understand this statement. To be justified means that you have, that we have been declared in the right by faith. That is being placed in the right relationship with God. Now, to justify does not mean to make one righteous in a, in a sense, all right? Or, or, or the changing of a person's character. When, when you are justified by God, it's a declaration that you are right with God. I, I want you to look at it this way. So put yourself in the court of law and the judge declares the sentence, right? Now, the declaration does not change who that person is. All the judge is doing is declaring how one would stand in the eyes of the law. Now, watch this. The judge may pronounce a person guilty who is actually innocent. He may pronounce a person to be innocent who is really guilty. So you see, the declaration does not change the person's character per se being declared right does not change who that person is now back to god god has done what no human judge can do god takes a person who is not in the right who is not in the covenant of god and then declares him to be right and brings him into the covenant of, of god so this man is now justified by faith not that it's character changed immediately not that he becomes righteous or that he's still a sinner but what happens is is this person then becomes holy you're saying well wait is holy sinless no no holy does not mean sinless holy means to be dedicated to god it means to be set apart when we when you become justified you are set apart you are now in the covenant with God, the new covenant. You have become a part of God's family. You are set apart from the world and are dedicated to God, you see. When we are justified, it means that God has declared us in the right with him. We are now in the new covenant with God that is in the kingdom of God. Now that you got a headache, just know you're still a sinner but declared right with God because of your faith. The word says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we, we have a therefore, which means that we have to look back and see what Paul was talking about. And if we do, we'll see that Paul had been discussing Abraham's faith. So we're going to read a little bit about Abraham's faith, and then we'll be able to move forward from there. So look back at chapter four, verse 16. 
This is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. See, there, there we have Abraham's faith. We share in the faith of Abraham. We are all to have faith like Abraham did. Who is the father of us all, as it is written, verse 17. I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So Abraham believed in the creator God and he believed in the resurrection. So we, like Abraham, should believe in both the creator and the resurrection. Verse 18, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. Again, more proof Abraham believed that God could raise the dead and that he would fulfill the promises that he made. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, the promise of God. So just like Abraham stood on the promises of God, we are to stand on the promise of God and not waver. Amen. But I love this part. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Can I get a witness? Your faith gets stronger as you live a life that gives glory to God. And so as Abraham's faith grew, verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So, you know, here comes our, our, our challenge, our self-examination. Do we have faith like Abraham? Because the word said in verse 22, but the words it's counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. That's you. That's me. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We have to ask ourselves, do we have that kind of faith? Do we have the faith that Abraham had? Do we believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead? Do we believe that Jesus was delivered up for our sins? Do we trust that Jesus has paid a debt that we, that we owe for our sins? Do we believe in the resurrection of Jesus our Lord? Do we believe that Christ is alive and sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? Do we? Do we believe that? Do we believe that God fulfilled the promise he made? Because that's the kind of faith it takes to be justified. That's the kind of faith it takes to be declared right. So when Paul says in chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's the faith he's talking about. I like what Pastor Jared pointed out last week, and I hope you caught it. Faith is not just, yes, I believe in God. Millions and millions of people believe in God. You know, people who worship idols, they believe in God. But what makes us holy what sets us apart is having the faith that believes in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses 
and raised for our justification. That's what sets us apart. So as you can see, there's a lot more to saving faith than just believing in God. You know, do you believe in God? Yeah. More to it. There's a lot more to saving faith than just say that you believe that Jesus is real. I mean, think about this. There were thousands of people who saw Christ walk this earth. And if you were to ask them, is Jesus real? Absolutely. I saw him with my own eyes. Do you believe Jesus is real is not the question we are to ask. The real question we should ask everyone is, do you have faith like Abraham did? I challenge all of us to, to really search our hearts and ask ourselves today, do I really, I mean, really believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Do I really truly believe that Christ was delivered up for our trespasses? Do I really trust that Jesus had paid the debt for my sins that I could not pay? Do I believe that God fulfills his promises? Do I really believe that? We need to examine our hearts and make sure we know that we know that we know. Amen? Now, when we examine our hearts, if we say yes, yes, Lord, I have that kind of faith, then the scriptures have some very good news for us. That's right, beloved. We finally get to some good news in Romans. Been a long journey. Took us a while, but we got there. You know, if you remember, we started four chapters ago. And it began with the desperate condition of lost mankind. We learned in chapters one through three how man had fallen, how mankind had turned away from God. We learned how mankind had failed in his calling. We saw that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mankind was in, was in a bad kind of place. And, and Pastor Ryan sat up here and told you how terrible you were. You remember that one? But, but as we got to chapter four, we started seeing some hope. We learned about God's promises. We learned about the covenant. We learned what the inheritance is. We learned about Abraham's faith. And now we will see what that faith will bring. Back to verse one again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is one of the most triumphant passages in scripture. Amen. Follow me here. God tells us if we believe if we have the faith of Abraham, we are justified, we are declared right, and when we are declared right, we are in the new covenant that Jesus spoke of. And being in a new covenant means that we are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, then that means you have peace with God. We are reconciled to the one true living God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means we have security in our salvation because it was none of our doing, but all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what I said earlier. Salvation is from God, by God, and about God, all for his glory. And that's how our peace with God comes about. All believers, all people who have faith like Abraham have peace with God. You know, that, that's, that's news we need to be proclaiming out there. Not this political stuff. We need to be proclaiming Christ and how you can have peace with God. You know, that's the shouting good news. Do you understand what a profound statement that is? 
We have peace with God. If there's anything we could ever desire out of life, it should be peace with God Almighty. Think about that for a minute. Is there anything grander? Is there anything more precious than peace with God? Name one thing that's better. Name one thing that's more valuable. Name something that would be more important when it comes to life than peace with God. I'll wait. You can't. You can't name one. Nothing compares. No possessions. Not anything. I really want you to contemplate that thought. We have peace with God Almighty. That's why I say this is one of the most triumphant passages in Scripture. Why? Because if we know that that peace we had with God was made possible because of God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, not of anything that we have done, then we should be able to walk with the security of knowing that we are in the new covenant. Our salvation is forever and ever. Amen. You can't lose it. When we stand on the promise of God, then we can walk victoriously every day. Right? Well, here's a promise. <laughs> Here's something that is sure in a believer's life. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We as believers should never walk around defeated. We have victory in Jesus. We sing that hymn all the time. We need to just quit singing it and start living it out there. We have victory, people. It's exciting. Listen, my brothers and sisters, stop carrying around the burden of not knowing whether you're going to re receive wrath or salvation. If you died at this very moment, you should know that you know that salvation is there for those who believe. Don't carry around that burden. Examine your heart. Examine your faith and live in victory. Amen. When the word tells us that we have peace with God. Listen, you're going to understand the language. Paul Paul uses this a lot in this uh, uh, verse, but it's like a battle. He, when he says that we have peace with God, it means the war is over. You know, the battle has been won. There's no longer a war. Instead, we have peace. Think about this for the ones who are old enough to have seen this. Maybe a couple. <laughs> or for the ones who have studied history. Think about how the world celebrates when a war ends. You know, look back. And when peace is de declared, you know what? That is how we should live our lives every day. Celebrating our peace with God. Celebrating that the war is over. Celebrating that Jesus has won the battle. We're not defeated. We have victory. Live like it and be able to share that victory with others who God puts into your path. All right, we have more to learn in this verse. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse, this statement is the answer to the problem that we studied back in chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. This is the answer to the problem that mankind has, you know. So let me just sum it up, chapter 1 there. Uh, let's sum up what the scriptures taught on the fall of man. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven 
Mankind, by their unrighteousness, suppressed the truth. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So God gave them up to their lust of their hearts. Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the create, creation, creation, creation rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. And then we read in verse 32, chapter 1. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. This is mankind rejecting God. And the wages for sin, the wages, wages for rejecting God, is that deserve, they deserve to die. All of mankind deserves to die. Man is not right with God. So how does someone get right with God? The answer is in our text today. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how God fulfills the promise he made with Abraham. Way back then, he redeems the human race through our Lord Jesus Christ. God redeems his people, fulfilled his promise to Abraham through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are now redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Something else that I want to point out here is we're in redemption. When, when we see full redemption, when we see, we, we will also see that God sets the whole creation free. We will see this in chapter 8 when all of this comes together and we're, we can understand what all that God has actually done. But listen to chapter 8, verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. You know, I want to bring up this creation being redeemed here, too, because I want you to get the big picture. I want you to see how great our God is. We are studying the God of the Bible. He is the creator of the world. Transcendent over and above his creation. And yet, because of his, because his very nature is love, it is completely completely natural for him to establish a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with every one of us. Do you see how great our God is? Is that not amazing? Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, yes, to those people in that day, but he says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that we he's talking about is me and you some 200,000 years later and to everyone in between. That's how great our God is, one-on-one. Have you ever asked yourself, how can a God that great, that awesome, ever love someone like me? Have you ever asked, how, how can it be that God is so full of grace and mercy that he would love me? 
Have you ever asked that, thought about that? You know, most of you have heard my testimony. You know that my thought before I got saved was, if there's a heaven, there's no way I can get into it. My, my theology was right back then, even though I was lost as I could be. There's no way I can get in there with all the things I've done. So why try? So I just continued to live like I wanted to. You've heard that before. But when Richard Mills was sitting in my living room, he had shared the gospel with me. And as he asked if I wanted to pray and ask for forgiveness and ask Christ to come into my heart, you know, of course, I said, yes, you know, yeah, I'm there. And he said, well, pray with me. And he started praying. And I stopped him. Oh, oh wait a minute. He looks up. You know. I said, I'm having a difficult time with this forgiveness thing. God forgiven me of my sins. I, I'm, I'm having a real hard time accepting that all my sins can be forgiven. And uh, this went on like two or three times. They tried to keep praying. I kept having these questions. We finally did get through the prayers, you know. But, but, but I asked Pastor Mills, I said, uh, do you know what I have done in my life? Do you know? You know? And he had the best answer. No, but God does. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, and he still loves me? How can that be? And, you know, that's, that's why that song hits my heart so hard. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? But, you know, it was at that moment that I realized how amazing God's love really is. It was at that moment that I realized how great is our God. I was reconciled to God Almighty. I was beside myself. I didn't know what to do at that time. You remember that? You know, you get saved. You know, you got all this energy. You're excited. You don't know what to do. I want to worship Jesus. I want to go to church. But, but then what? Like, what do I do with this? Well, it wasn't long before I learned that not only did God love me and want a one-on-one -on -one relationship with me, but I soon found out he brought me into the kingdom of God for a purpose. There was more to life than just collecting toys and dying. I now had a real purpose in my life. God saved me and he called me to his service for the kingdom of God. I started doing the good works that Christ had prepared beforehand and my faith became like Abraham's. I grew stronger in my faith as I gave glory to God, as I lived a life to give glory to God. I became fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And I can clearly see that he has done it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have peace with God. And you know what is so reassuring? It's to know that I did not have peace with God for one minute and not the next. You know, we do not have peace with God one day and not the next. We have peace with God forever and ever. You want to know how long we have peace with God? We have peace with God as long as Jesus Christ is alive. Think about that one. We have peace with God for eternity. Write this verse in your margins. Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That's Jesus Christ. Since he is always, since he always lives to make intercessions for them. 
We are not declared right and then kept right by our own efforts, are we? If he that is Jesus is alive, always making intercessions for us, then it is not us that keeps us saved. Jesus does. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I like this one. We do not begin in the spirit to be perfected by the flesh. In other words, we are not saved by God, then perfected by our works. It's all through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. And by knowing that we are in God's hands, and, by, and, and then we know that there is nothing that could snatch us out. God gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, it's hard to explain this peace we have with God to people who have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, you try to tell them about it, and it doesn't make sense, and it sounds foolish to them anyways. And, and you know, I just end up saying, listen, I have peace in my heart about life. I have peace in my heart about death. I have peace in my heart about the resurrection of life. I don't know how to explain that to you besides showing to you what God says about these three things. And then you do as we just sung about Jesus crucified. <laughs> you know, just give them that answer every time they ask a question. Jesus crucified. It's a good Sunday school answer. Believers have a peace in their heart that surpasses all understanding because it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. Back to our text. Got more to learn. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith in this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, if having peace with God did not get your blood pressure up and get you excited, then this should. We, we stand in grace. What does that mean? It means we have access to the very presence of God himself. Someone may be asking, Pastor, are you telling me I could go before the throne of God? Absolutely. Start praying. You're there. Talk with God. You're at the throne of God. Are you telling me, Pastor, that I could go into the Holy of Holies? Absolutely. Right in the presence of God. You know, when the word says we're, we are standing in grace or standing in favor, it embraces every aspect of our position before God. Can you picture that? You're standing there and God's grace is being continually poured out on you. You're continually covered by God's grace. You're, you're in the presence of God Almighty. Listen, our position with God is as perfect and permanent as Christ because we are in him and it is through him that puts us in that position. Don't miss that point. You know, when we read this text, we see that Paul is using the language of the, of the temple here. Follow me here. Where did the people go to get close to God before Christ came? They went to the temple. Where was the presence of God? It was in the Holy of Holies, the center of the temple. So we're going to talk about it just for a second. It'll bring this text to life. 
the, the Holy of Holies was the innermost and most sacred area of the ancient tabernacle of Moses and of the temple of Jerusalem. This room, this room was a perfect cube in the center. It contained the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the symbol of Israel's special relationship with God. Now, the Holy of Holies was accessible only to the Israelites' high priest that year. Once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest was permitted to enter the Holy of Holies. When he went in, he would burn incense and he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrificial animal on the mercy seat of the ark. By doing so, the high priest atoned for his own sins and those of the people. Now, the Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the tabernacle and the temple by a veil. It was a huge, heavy drape made of fine linen and blue and scarlet yarn and embroidered with uh, gold cherubim on the front. Now, God said in Leviticus 16, 2, that he would appear in the Holy of Holies. And that's why we needed that veil. The veil was a barrier between God and man. The veil, the curtain, and the elaborate rituals undertaken by the priests were a reminder that man could not carelessly or irreverently enter into God's awesome presence. Before the high priest entered the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he had to wash himself, he had to put on special clothes, burning incense, and let the smoke cover his eyes from a direct view from God, and bring sacrificial blood with him to make atonement for sins. You can read about that in Exodus and Hebrews also mentions it. All of this had to happen just to come into the presence of God, just, have, just to have the access to God at that time once a year. Now, Fast forward to Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, an amazing thing happened. Write this verse in your margins. Matthew 27, 50 says, When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now he's on the cross. He gives up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The veil was not torn in half by any man. It was a supernatural event done by the power of God to make a very specific point. What's the point? Well, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, man was no longer separated from God. Through him, verse 2 says, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, not through the system anymore. The Old Testament temple system was made obsolete as a new covenant was ratified. No longer do we have to depend on a priest to perform a once-a-year sacrifice on our behalf. The veil was torn in the temple, and we now have access to God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 19 says this. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. The Holy of Holies, the very presence of God, is now open to all who come to Christ in faith. So read our text again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So by 
faith like Abraham, we are justified. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we are declared right. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Not a feeling of peace. It's not a feeling much more than that. We have this peace because we are no longer a child of wrath. We are a child of God. We are no longer at war with God. We are at peace, which means the wrath of God is not on us. The war is over. Now that we have peace with God, we also have access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we stand in grace, secure in his hands. You know, this, this grace that we're standing in, in this te text, talk about the grace that has the power to save us is, is the same grace that has the power to keep you. Don't doubt. You know, Paul is actually taking his readers back to the grace that Abraham received. You know, we talked about that last week. Abraham stood in this grace way before the law was given. And Paul's making the point here. God's plan is that the new covenant people, the kingdom of God, is standing in this grace by faith. What does Paul tell us to do? What did we just read? We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know, this verse can be translated, let us keep on rejoicing. Why? Because that glory that was lost back in chapter 3 is brought back through Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. But because of Christ, we eagerly anticipate the time when we will share in Christ's glory. Peace with God takes care of the past. God will no longer hold our sins against us. Access to God takes care of the present. We can come to him at any time for the help we need. Hope of the glory of God takes care of the future. One day we shall share in his glory. Redemption is from God, by God. And all for his glory. But for us, it all begins with faith. Search your hearts. Know that you know that you have the faith that Abraham did. Amen. Okay.